Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are well and peaceful wherever you are in the world. Now, one of the biggest things in our life that we can face is an opportunity to change our life. Because we never really know who we are going to meet, what circumstance is going to be presented to us that can change our life completely. And I think one of the greatest regrets that we can have in life when we look back is opportunities that we could have taken, but we missed the chance. You know, whether we were afraid or whether we were afraid of what people were going to think of us. But some of the most beautiful moments and beautiful opportunities to fulfill our true inner purpose come really at the most unexpected times. And I remember reading somewhere an article where it said, say yes more. And I think that's something that we should really embrace is to really, if someone is offering a chance, if life is offering us a chance to do something that we have always wanted to do deep in our hearts, let's embrace it and let's say yes and see where the road takes us, see who we meet along the way, because it really could be one of the most beautiful changes of our life. Now, I am so pleased and honoured to welcome my guest today, who is the amazing lady that she is, Anne-Marie Wickham. Anne-Marie is an influencer, a radio show host, a clinical hypnotherapist, a mental health advocate, a transformational speaker, and I have to say, the list is huge. She has really an orchestra of gifts to give upon the world. It's really, really impressive. Anne-Marie works with people from all backgrounds with a variety of different issues. And one of the things that she works with is low self-esteem, which she will discuss with us, I'm sure, later on, which is something I think that all of us need help with at some point in our life. She also runs workshops and courses, helping to empower people to find their purpose. Her story really is one of huge strength and real determination, how you can turn anything in your life 
from sadness and despair to hope and prosperity. The story that she has is an incredible one. Anne-Marie was placed in care at the age of just two, and she never knew her parents. By the age of 14, she had actually been to 17 different care homes. She has overcome many personal adversities, such as surviving in the social care system, becoming homeless in another country, as well as being a single parent of three, and then relocating back to England with just three bags and three children. She has used her very public failures for, I suppose, inspiration and real fuel, and has viewed always her obstacles as opportunities, to the point that she has written a best-selling book called From Fear to Love, which empowers people on their own journeys of life. And today, I'm so pleased to say that she will share her amazing journey with us. Welcome, Anne-Marie. Hello there. Hello. (laughs) Good to have you here. How are you? I'm really well, really, really well. How's the weather in your end? Uh, right now it's blowing up a storm um there is dark clouds overhead and i have two massive trees in my garden so i'm watching the work begin of all the leaves falling off the trees and that is a job that none of us like so yeah got a lot of work coming (laughs) yes there's always you know what i don't know if you realize this Anne marie but i always think it's like the beginning of autumn and all of a sudden the leaves are on the trees and then you go in about a few days time and one whole wind that's been sent of change changes everything doesn't it and all the leaves are gone yeah and I always remember from my from my memories it always gets really windy round about October time so if there are any left hanging on or clinging for dear life they are coming off October because it seems that there's always a lot of winds in October and probably for that reason so it's all a cycle isn't it it's all a cycle of renewal for all of us. It's very true and I always you know try to remember something that I was fascinated as a child is that actually England well the United Kingdom is surrounded by four seas and I always think oh this (laughs) must make us special you know because we're surrounded by four seas and not everybody can come you know and it, 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 it it's the funny things in life you know that um make it special I think when we look at things um with different eyes our life can become different mm-hmm. yeah I am so happy really thank you so much um Anne-Marie for coming on the show today because your journey and your life is absolutely amazing and I would love you to share that with us today tell us a little bit about where your story began. Um, well, you know, there was a long time, uh, well, really, I suppose, from the age of 21, when I was told by a really, really good friend of mine, um, she did a tarot card reading for me, and she said, uh, oh, I, I don't know if I should really tell you this. And I said, well, you, you have to. <laughs> and she, I said, as long as it's not bad news. And she said, it's not bad news. She said, but the best years of your life will be from 50 onwards. 
And I just thought, wow, I'm 21. And that's really a long time to wait. Mm. And I don't know if it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes some people could say that's so. But what I realized was that I just spent all of those years up until the age of 50 surviving. I really did. And beyond that point, that's when I started to thrive. And for me, you know, everybody has a turning point. Well, we hope that everybody has a turning point and that can go one way or the other. But mm. for me, the turning point really was when I came back to England. Um, and as you said, I did, I came back with my three children who were three and four and uh, 16 at the time. Um, I came back with three, but one of them went back to Germany. It was a really difficult time. So my eldest, obviously, he, um, he had been taken to Germany at the age of 11. I didn't want to go, didn't want to leave all his friends, didn't want to leave the life that he'd had here in England. So to take him to Germany, to relocate him, he, he has ADHD as well as myself. So it was really difficult for him to learn a new way of living. And then, you know, five years, seven years later to come back to England. So he actually, and not many people know this because it's not something that you really want to share, but I mm. will do because I always believe that you know, when you speak your truth, it allows others to speak theirs. Um, so at that time, because he didn't want to come home, he actually put himself into German care. And it was such a, that I remember that day so clearly because I had a really good friend who speaks German and we were summoned to go to this office, social services office. I didn't really speak a lot of German, just enough to get by, to get food mm -hmm. and stuff. And we were sitting in a meeting, me and my friend and him and these two social workers, and they were looking at me with such disgust. I didn't know what they were saying. I couldn't understand it. And my son, who had learned to speak German by then, was looking very sheepish. And I'm sitting there not knowing what's going on. Anyway, my friend said to me, you need to come outside. I need to ask you some questions. She said, do you know what they're saying in there? I said, no. And she said, your son has told them that you beat him, that you don't feed him, that he's not allowed to come home sometimes, and all these stories that he'd said. And obviously, being in care myself from the age of two, this was like a nightmare for me. And I just burst into tears. I don't know how I managed that day. And obviously, he heard me, my son, in the other room, and came out, and he just stood there looking at me. And I said, why have you said those things? And he said, Mum, I did what I had to do, because otherwise, if I didn't say that, they wouldn't have taken me. They wouldn't have put me in care. So I had to say that. And I said, but why didn't you tell me first? And he said, because you would have talked me out of it. And I said, well, obviously, I would have. Mm. And that was heartbreaking. So even though I brought him back because he wanted to help me to get back, he actually went back to England uh, four days, uh, back to Germany four days later. And that's where he lived for the next six years. And that was so painful. So I was here with my two little ones. And yeah, it was, it was really rough times. March the 26th, 2009, that happened. And, and he didn't want to come back to England with you? He didn't want to come back because it took so long for him to adjust to life out there it's very hard for people who have neurological disorders you know to break the pattern yes. comfort how long were you out there for we were there about seven years yeah yeah that's mm. yeah, so six years he went there when he was 11 and 16 yeah he, he went back there yeah um but you know obviously we have a fantastic relationship now he, he, he took time out there to find himself and realized that actually you know, he, real life kicked in and he realised, oh, doing this by myself without my mum is really painful. So he stayed out there as long as he could. And mm. then he came back. And obviously he lives very close by now. He's a, I, love my, I love all my children, each of them, incredibly. But that was a particularly hard time because it felt like 
360, you know, come being in care myself and then him putting himself in care. I felt such a failure, honestly. I, I don't know how I picked myself up, but I did. I had to. I had two other children who were only three and four to um, give a new life to. So I didn't really have time to stand still. And I think that's been a running theme throughout my life because there's been so much adversity. I haven't really had time to stand still and go, oh my gosh, poor me, woe is me, because you just have to get on with it. And, mm. and that is really why you know, people look at my life and they go, wow, you've done so much. But I didn't want to accept, I don't call it failure. I just didn't want to accept the life or the hand that I was dealt from being um, put in care at the age of two. It wasn't, wasn't my fault. And I didn't want to define myself by it, you know, and I just, just thought, no, I want more out of life. There was always a burning desire within me to see how much I could achieve and how much, you know, to, just to, be the best person that I could be. And I know that's a cliche now, but it really was what I wanted for myself. And also I really was aware that I didn't have any backup, no parents, no aunties, no uncles. So I was the, the, um, the guiding light for my children. And I always say this to my clients, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your children, because they are going to look to you for how they deal with life. And if you give up, that's exactly what you're going to teach them to do. And I think sometimes that's the most powerful sentence that you can say if they have children, because sometimes we know it's easy for us to place other people as more important than ourselves. In fact, most people do that. And I teach people to become their own priority because without you, the people around you that depend on you don't work anyway. So, you know, you have to become your own priority, your own best friend. You have to place yourself first. Yeah. So and that's not, not easy, is it? Uh, no, especially if you're born into lack and you're not taught how to um to be a priority and you have to be taught that you know your parents the way that they um support you and this is where you get a lot of you know i've done a lot of research around human behavior and why we have schizophrenics or why we have sociopaths and what i know is that how you are given um attention when you're younger has a really big impact on who you become in your future so if your parents constantly say to you oh you know well done you're looking for praise all the time versus your parents saying to you well done for doing really brilliant in your, on your English test you have a real aptitude for English well done then you know your gifts but if someone just says oh well done you're so good or you're so beautiful then you depend on those things to feel good about yourself which isn't helpful because we all grow up we all grow older, we're not beautiful forever. We can be beautiful on the inside forever, but not necessarily on the outside. So we have to define ourselves by our qualities and the things that are within us and not the things that are external outside of us to, to become really balanced human beings that know their value and know their worth, that you know, enjoy positive self-regard and not just, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, not just praise for the sake of praise. It doesn't work. And I've been a nursery manager for many years and I've seen lots of children that really only come alive when they're getting praise because that's all they've been accustomed and attuned to. Whereas if you tell somebody what they're doing really well, then they can build on what they know they actually have. Do you, do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, to find one's value and worth, I suppose it seems incredulous that we don't know our value and worth. If you were to ask, I don't know, a hundred, a thousand people, do you really know the worth of you? I don't know how many people could actually say yes. 
I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, we're born into a paradigm uh, and that keeps us where we are. So if you're born to a, 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 a rich, rich or a middle class family, then you have this expectation of success because it's what you it's the only thing you've known. So it's mm. really hard for people that are born into uh, lack or working class households or even middle class households that don't... Um, that for them to be able to break out of that paradigm, because again, you're breaking away from something that is, is indoctrinated, is institutionalized within you. So to rise above that and expect success for yourself, it takes real brain training. You have to train your brain. And that's what I do as a, as a hypnotherapist. I speak to your subconscious mind and I'm able to tell you things that you aren't able to tell yourself because your conscious mind will always take over. And your conscious mind... Um, your conscious mind can't do that. Your, your unconscious mind is where the habits are, where, where your habits are changed. Your conscious mind is your creative mind. That's the one that says, oh, I like that. I want to do that. I want to do that. But if your conscious mind doesn't instill that instruction into your subconscious mind enough times, then you'll just lose it. So that's why we start things and we end up not being able to finish them because we haven't trained our minds enough to accept this as our new our new habit, our new behavior, our new paradigm. So, you know, I know from all the Pope people that I've worked with, when I've ever asked them the question, who are you? What do you really value? Mm. Most, most times, and that's, that's not defined by class or race or gender or anything. That's most people. They don't actually know because in our schools, we are not taught to explore what's within. We are only taught to explore what's outside of us. We are taught to change our external circumstances. But guess what? You can't do that unless you change your internal circumstances if you want to rise above your station. That's where the uh, saying goes, you know, don't rise above your station. Well, you can't. It's very hard to if you don't make it your life's purpose to actually understand who you are, what you are, why you want the things that you want. If you don't get take time to understand things, you'll never be able to change them, or at least not consistently. You'll always fall back to that paradigm of where you were born into. It's, it's, it's a tough journey. It's a tough journey. And I don't think people take it seriously enough. You know, in this day and age, people, look at all these technical gadgets we have. People spend time buying that brand new 60-inch television. How does it work? How do I turn it on? How do I record? How do I sync it up to my Apple TV? How do I get Netflix? All those things which bring us joy. We learn, we practice, we, we, we study how to do these things. But actually what makes you happy on the inside, people don't even know where to start. It, it's, a, it, it, it's something that people don't understand. And they call it woo-woo because that's an easy way to write something off. When you put something down or you talk about it negatively, it's a good way for you to be able to say, I'm not interested in that, so I'll give it a bad name so I don't actually have to do it. Yes, because I don't understand it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's an education in itself, isn't it, Anne-Marie? Because, you, isn't it, if you don't understand it, usually people attack what they don't understand, I found. And that's what's happening in the world. That, mm. That's what happens all over. But that's why there are wars. I'm not going to get into that. But what I will say is, even down to... Um, you know, when you when you know what's out there for you. So I have these programs and I would, sometimes people come and say, I'm really interested and I'll have an hour's discussion with them. And they'll go, yeah, I know, I can see it, I can see it. But their own lack of positive self-regard and their own lack of self-worth won't allow them to say yes. And so I've had to actually change the way that I work. I've had to step forward and meet people where they are. So whereas before, especially before, um, you know, lockdown um mm. i would 
working with people and doing these big programs, you know, big programs with big labels, because it was looking at every single area of your life. There's not one area of your life you need to change. It's all areas because one is a domino effect for all the others. So now what I've done is I've broken down those individual modules and I do these now as workshops so that people can sort of, um, people can put their step their toe in they can do a small workshop because it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start and now they can do these um these workshops where they do it alongside other people and they can see the change that happens the transformation that happens and that's enough inspiration and motivation to go you know what i can see the value of this i can see the joy that it brings me now i'm ready to maybe do the next workshop or to do the whole program but you have to show people something of value they have to feel that value within themselves before they'll even commit to changing their own lives isn't that sad but it's true it's true it is it is true it is true and there's no point even sometimes when you're trying to encourage someone whoever that may be whether you know family friends colleagues whoever it is unless they get it you know in inverted commas unless they get it unless they see their value they will never have the ability to know what value they can bring to somebody else. Well, you know what? This is a, a really this is a really hot topic for me because the values and beliefs. There is a, um, a workshop that I do for values and beliefs, and I can tell you now. So just recently, I've gone vegan. Okay, mm -hmm. and the reason why I went vegan, I would love. I'm really honest here. I would love to tell you that it's because of. Um, the animals that get slaughtered. There is a bit of that, but I honestly, it wasn't enough to make me vegan. I'm sorry to say that it wasn't enough. But mm -hmm. what was enough is I watched a couple of programs, it's, it's particularly about what the health and the way um, one industry feeds the other industry, feeds the other industry, so the pharmaceutical companies. Um, uh, they, they, I don't want to go into the politics of it too much, but what I learned was there is a whole different machine going on behind the food that we eat. And when I learned that, I'm really, my biggest value is injustice, right? I, I will, that's why I'm a mental health advocate. That's why I work with people because I want to champion you, even if you can't champion yourself until the point of where you feel strong enough and you can step in and take over, I will be your champion. And so when I read that about injustice and the way that people are actually killing themselves with the food that they eat, uh, that was enough. I was like, no, that's it. I'm vegan. I'm not lining the pockets of these industries that are just actually not there to support and help us. And that's the thing with people. You have to find, they have to find the value within them. So, for instance, one of my ladies that I did hypnotherapy with, she, she was a foster carer and she wasn't able to lose weight for herself. When I actually put it to her under hypnosis, the local council have given you this massive responsibility to nurture the life of this young person that's coming to your world that is looking to you to learn how to be in this world and to learn how to eat properly, to look after their body. That was the point that it changed for her because I tapped into her value and her value was caring for other people more than it was caring for herself. She couldn't do it for herself. But when she felt that sense of responsibility for somebody else, she managed to lose three stone in weight and is still at that weight because she found the value of what it was for her and everybody's individual, you know? Yes. And what do you think, Anne-Marie, about the value of ourselves? What do you think is the key secret, I suppose, the secret key where we can unlock that power within us? 
The secret key to overcoming your power is to overcome your fear because beyond your fears is you. That's the truth. That is as simple as that. Beyond mm -hmm. the fear is you. And in these current times of uncertainty and, you know, there's so much fear around now. I'm, I have so many clients that have anxiety, that are um, developing phobias of going out and all these different things that people are... But these are fears because people are scared to even investigate because they have a fear of what they might find. So they don't, it's, you know, the ostrich mm. bearing their head in the sand. And so I hold their hand and I walk with them and I say, look, it's not as bad as you think it is. I'm going to draw back the curtain. I'm going to hold your hand all the way. And when you feel strong enough, then you can venture forward. And when I show them, everybody that I've worked with, I can't believe that I lived like that for so long. I can't believe I lived like that for so long. And, and it really is, you know, it, it's it, it, almost you become their mother or father figure and you have to tell them it's safe. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. It's safe to go beyond what you know, because beyond your greatest fears are your greatest joys. And if you live a life, you know, I always used to think when I was younger, why can't I just be in the middle like everybody else? I was either really happy or really sad. I was never in the middle. And I saw all these people being middle people. They just ambled along quite easily without, you know, not really challenging themselves. And I honestly, when I was younger, I used to think ignorance is bliss. I want to be ignorant. I wanted to be ignorant because <laughs> I saw all these people. I, I, I know where you're coming from with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you, and then as you start to explore and investigate, you realise they're not happy being middle either. They're just comfortable and they're too scared to be uncomfortable. You know, I love Lisa Nichols because that's one of her favourite sayings. Become comfortable with the uncomfortable because mm. that's, where that's where your genius lies. Do you know what I mean? And people are scared of being in that place where they feel apprehensive. But the same apprehension is the same feeling of massive excitement. If you think about when you're really excited about something, it's exactly the same feeling as when you're really fearful, except that you put a different name on it. If you, every time you felt that fear, you said to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Then you <laughs> Well, yeah, that might be a new method, actually, that you've just yeah. invented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you say, because when you say to yourself, I'm so excited, then your brain goes to that excitement pathway. All the things that you've done that excites you, there are neuron pathways that go directly to those, and you experience the same feeling again. So if you're in fear and you say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this, I'm so excited about this, well, how am I going to do this to the best of my ability? Then you're going to create those neuron pathways back to excitement and happiness and not to fear. Because where your fear is, you've had so many fears, you've got a really big pot of fear that that neuron pathway can go back to. And every time you go back to it, you strengthen that pathway. So that pathway becomes really strong, a strong sense of fear. But you want a strong sense of excitement. So you need to rename the way that you're looking at most things. Reframing and renaming is an awesome way to get beyond your current fears, really. And how did you do it? Because I know that you are a mental health advocate for ADHD. And I um, know from, you know, from our conversations that it's something that you would like to talk about. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I didn't know I had ADHD, to be honest. You know, back in the day when I was young, I was just a naughty child. And, um, and I, that's all how I always thought of myself as being naughty. In fact, it was my naughtiness that got me sent away from all of those different children's homes because nobody under, understood or, or knew what was wrong with me. They just thought, oh, she didn't care. She's a really bad child. 
So I really, uh, and obviously then when my own son had ADHD as well, that's when I realised what I'd actually had because his, I didn't have a problem with him at all. Uh, and the schools obviously did. And I, you know, I was like, well, you know, I can cope with him. So I don't understand what your issue is. They said, well, he does this and he does that. And I was like, yes, so. And they went, well, it's just not acceptable. And I said, well, then... I, I don't understand what I need to do because I don't have an issue with this. Anyway, they said they, you should go and get him tested, and I did. And you have to answer millions of questions, and all of those questions, as he was saying, yes, I was thinking, yeah, me too, yeah, me too. And so, yeah, I realised I had ADHD, and then, you know, because it got me into so much trouble, I had a really um, challenging life. I used to get into a lot of trouble as an adult with all different kinds of things. The thing we can imagine, if you've been in care, you get exposed to a lot of things, of drugs and different things. I just got involved in a lot of things that the naughty people did because I felt I was naughty, so I wanted to hang with the naughty kids that understood me. And the they naughty people. Did. The naughty people. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us, just, oh dear, I know a lot of naughty people, actually. <laughs> I have to say, then, most people that I know, I, I think we're all naughty in some some people's eyes. I think they'll label us, and this is the thing, isn't it, about being labelled. Yeah. Um, to be something in just in all that in, in order to put you in a box as we were saying before yeah. to put you in a box to label you because once you have an identity in that person's view then it's easier for them but it's not yes. really easier so just tell us a little bit um and for the listeners out there Anne Marie describe um what is ADHD and what are the symptoms and what are the sort of behaviour traits? Oh, I love this question because um, I found an article the other day and it just really summed it up. So you might know somebody that's really consistently late. They might forget things. They might do really erratic things that you think, oh, gosh, she's crazy. Things like um, book, they don't tend to book appointments with you in the future they'll turn up at your door unexpectedly but they won't really say to you oh i'll meet you in a month's time and put your or if they do they'll probably forget they'll be late or they'll break that appointment because we have as people with adhd and i'm only i didn't find myself with it because i of the, the positive traits that i see um a tendency to live in the moment and eckhart tolle says live in the moment we go yeah we do but we get told off for it but anyway it's living in the moment it's been absolutely present. Uh, I don't wear a watch because it was pointless on my wrist. I just don't look at them. And I tend to just turn up at the time and mostly I'm on time, which is a blessing. But it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. That's what it stands for. But someone quoted back to me, no, it stands for a direct, um, a direct route to higher dimensions. And I love that. And that's what oh, I, I like that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, mm. I've obviously also been diagnosed with bipolar tendencies and, and it's all the same. It's about um, my, my, okay, so I have thousands of thoughts in a day. I have thousands of ideas and my biggest problem is to stay focused on the program or the um, task that I am doing because those new thoughts that come in, they are so inspirational. I spoke with a lady yesterday and I had a really good idea for a program and I spoke to her. She said, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Let's do it. I said, yeah, but I'm actually already doing something. <laughs> so I, I can't stop myself. These ideas, yeah, it is a direct um, line to higher dimensions because that's what happens all the time, all the time. For instance, when I was younger, um, um, 
I, I, I know I was going to share something then, but yeah, see, my filter's not very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just share whatever you want to share well, because you know <laughs> what? We need these higher dimensions. So share with us I'm some share. of your higher dimensions. <laughs> before i've never said this before and you know i feel you know i when i was younger now there aren't many no, i'm not going to judge i'm not making assumptions here i when i was younger took drugs right that was me and cocaine as a drug for most people they would take that to get um to feel bold to feel brave to feel special to feel unique that's one of the ways it's not the way i think it's the worst way but that's one of the reasons why people take it for me cocaine calms me down it makes me very focused it makes me very aligned which is not great because i would like to feel like that all the time but i don't want to take cocaine to do that and other people would think well that's the opposite of what it does for me so where the way that my brain works it mostly works opposite to the way other people's brain works that's why i like to do challenging exciting things and other people will say oh gosh why do you want to do that and i go yeah it's fun i love the adrenaline rush of new things and that's why i get sidetracked by different opportunities because it's new it's a challenge yeah there is that that, that that's the really active side of it but the downside of that go is what goes up must come down and as high as you get and I'm talking about without drugs, you know, with that idea, you can get really high where you can just do crazy things. But the opposite of that is you drop very deep and you can be very, very low, very um, depressed. Um, I used to self-harm when I was young because I just felt so down on myself. I didn't want to be here. And I think when I came back from Germany, one of the pivotal moments for me when my big son came back was um i was struggling so much even though i'd studied for a ba honors in child development i've got i've got qualifications coming out of my ears i've got so many but it so people look at you and think she's amazing she does all these amazing things they don't understand that there comes a downside with it and my mind when I was when I came back, was so down I couldn't focus that I actually um, was diagnosed with bipolar and I had to take antipsychotic drugs, which I did for about six weeks because I knew I couldn't manage myself. And the reason how I knew that is because when we drove to the doctors, me and my son, I came out after speaking to them, and I, in that moment, I. I honestly I sat there and I just wanted to drive straight into the wall in front of me and I told my son I said son I said I, sh I cannot drive this car because I just want to drive straight through that wall and he looked at me and he was he was what 21 then and he was felt he looked so sad and he knew exactly how I felt because he has ADHD as well and he goes mum I'm gonna drive and he drove me home that day and that was the worst I think that's the lowest that I've ever got um, and after that, that was the, literally after that, pretty much I took those drugs and I thought, no, I have to save myself. I can't take these drugs. I've got children. I can't have my children taken off of me. I've got to do this myself. And from that moment, I started listening to Les Brown, motivational CDs. I started going out walking. I started going and just really being in nature and observing how nature does it. And I would just, I just, created this new reality for me that I believed where I was going to go and I was in a terrible situation in my environment in my home life and everything and uh, it was terrible but I just used to imagine myself beyond this time that's what I did I imagined myself beyond this time I imagined myself having this new house I imagined myself being a life coach I imagined this new persona who I was going to be 
And that's what I just used that as a guide. And that's who I am today. That was the journey. That was the turning point. Yeah, it was, it was profound. And how, how is it that, I mean, is it manageable, the ADHD? Is it, do you have to take drugs for it? Or can you use other methods? Well, I don't take any drugs because um, the downside of drugs for ADHD is they just robs your person that no. Okay, for anybody out there that's listening that has ADHD or mm. bipolar disorder, if that's the way you are coping now, if that's what you need to do, then you need to do that. No one else can tell you anything else. I just want to say that for a starters, because mm. not everybody me. You are you and you know what you need. No one else knows better than you what you need, right? You just need to know that. For me, I knew what I needed was to be in control of my life because I don't have parents. I don't have any, um, you know, aunties or uncles. So there's only me. So it was very important for me that I was in control of my mind to look after my children. And at the point of where I knew I couldn't, then I did take those antipsychotic drugs for about six weeks. But then I made a pact with myself. And that's when I learned hypnotherapy. So that's one of the ways that I use to balance my um, behavior because obviously I get really excitable. But when I'm doing hypnotherapy, everything just comes down, as you can hear with my voice now, just the words. Hypnotherapy, that's what I have to do with my clients. So I have to get myself in a state where I'm focused, where I'm centered. And where I'm just focusing on that person. And I'm able to do that because I studied to be able to do that. And that is my yin and my yang. There is Anne-Marie with ADHD and there is Anne-Marie who does hypnotherapy. And they balance each other out. That's for me. Everybody needs to really do the journey. Do the journey, do the work to find out who you are, what you need. Because I do believe there are two types of ADHD. There is one that's trauma-based. I believe mine was trauma-based. And there is one that's, um, I think is, there's one that's a medical-based. Do you know? It's, it's mm-hmm. what's going on in my mind. And you need to know which one of those it is. You need, to, you need to take the journey. I mean, I created this program, Be The Real You, because it looks at all the things that I did, that I found out what my values and beliefs are. I... I did hypnotherapy to let go of the past, to lose my emotional baggage. I did hypnotherapy to forgive people, to forgive my mum, my dad, my, my lineage, the social workers, all the people that had looked after me that had rejected me. I had to do forgiveness around letting go of what I felt about them so that I could allow new feelings of self-love to come in. And you cannot do that with any negative emotions of fear, of guilt of shame of jealousy all of those negative emotions you can't build on those you can't become the luminous light person that you are if you are holding on to all these emotions so that's why it's very important for anybody whether you have any kind of any kind of um, diagnosis of anything anything i truly believe that your body tells you what it needs so if your body's not working it's saying to you something's not wrong i have something trapped within me and i need you to release me from that trapped energy that trapped negative energy and that's what i do that's how i work with the people i release them from all of those from all of those experiences that they were so profoundly adverse that they don't have the they felt they didn't have the ability to process them so what did they do they just buried them 
they thought, I can't even look at that. I'm going to bury it. But it doesn't get buried. It becomes a trapped emotion. And that's, I believe, these are only my thoughts, but I believe that's how cancers are formed. I believe that's how um, uh, pains, aches, pains, rheumatoids, all of those things. Because I work with people that have all these trapped emotions and really have, have made profound changes for these people profound changes things that I couldn't have even imagined would have happened have happened it's transformational and so I would say to anybody that feels less than what they know they could be do the work there, there is no shortcut there isn't a shortcut you can read books but remember we are all energy and that trapped energy is something tangible a book is not going to release that you need to actually physically release it somehow so there are different modalities to me. There's hypnotherapy, there's life coaching. There, you know, when you do life coaching, you release because you, you have tears about the acknowledgements of what's held you back. Just even crying is a release of those emotions and those experiences. That's why I encourage people to cry. That's why men have so much anger. I know that's a really sweeping statement, okay? But for a lot of men that I've met, their way of coping has been to bury it, but then it comes out as anger. Mm, mm. Um, repressed anger uh, and because of all those trapped feelings that they're not able to express through tears or even speaking it's true it's this mind body spirit connection that we somehow forget and yet it is crucial because we're not just one type of being we are multiple layers of energy as you say Anne-Marie and You know, if we look at our, I don't know whether you're into this sort of thing, but if we have a look at our auric field and the different layers of who we are Mm -hmm. and how when we meet somebody, we can get an instant feeling, you know, we can say it's a gut feeling, but it's something more than that. Because I think as soon as we meet somebody, we actually don't meet them with our eyes. We meet them with our soul and we instinctively know these things. And if there are things that have happened to all of us in our life the body stores memories doesn't it of all sorts of things I know a technique that I actually use um, with my um, patients and clients is one where it is to release the trauma and you can touch any part of your body now and wherever there is pain um, it's telling you something it's something that you haven't dealt with and I remember once I had a session with a lady and she was crying and crying, I totally agree with you, is one of the most cleansing things that we can do. Um, She was crying and crying and crying and crying and that's just by touching a spot. Uh, It was on her back and she said, you know what, I actually remember being three years old and being told off by the neighbour and she said, that is still affecting me. So." We are so complex and so beautiful in our frailty, in our fragility, in everything. And this is so true what you say about, they usually say that anger is also grief. It's what we're (laughs) sad about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And it's an unraveling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and, and I, yeah, and I, you know what? It's so, when you find the strength to start your journey and you see those 
negative layers falling away. It's almost, the joy is almost too much to bear, honestly. Mm. You know, people, I know people constantly say to me, Amory, how'd you do it? it? Because I've done the work. And there isn't, I know people want to have a shortcut. And you know what the shortcut is? It's your new car. It's your new handbag. It's your addictions. It's your, you know, the way that you treat other people. It's your bad attitude. It's your bitterness. Those are your shortcuts. But are they serving you? Because, you know, the long journey of actually doing the work within and then you become this beautiful person free of all of those negative emotions. You can't be that bitter person anymore. You don't want all of those purchases and things out there because you realize the joy within you is the joy that you create for yourself. And those things are nice. Don't get me wrong. They are not. We all like nice things but they don't become your, um, your, your, your go-to for happiness. Well, because if they do, you're just going to have to keep replacing them because nothing you buy is going to hold your joy for that long. Nothing, nothing, never for never long. The only joy that you can hold for, for a long is you. You are the joy. You are the miracle. And, and, and give yourself that time to find out who you are. And you will be so amazingly surprised and blessed and, and grateful that you took the time to find this beautiful person inside you that you'll never go back to being that negative person again. You'll never go back to that because you, you've discovered the journey, the secret of you. That's why they called the book The Secret, because it's within you. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely the truth. It's within you. And we search a lifetime um, looking outside of ourselves and that's why we become so desolate and desperate because it doesn't exist outside yeah. of us. It yeah. exists within us. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Anne-Marie, which is really important, it's something that keeps coming up um, when I talk to people and, you know, in our own lives, is this art of forgiveness. Yes. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad said that um because it's one of the um i i, I do a, a forgiveness workshop uh well i do a module as part of the bu program and it comes mm -hmm. at about um uh session four or five you cannot start this life journey with forgiveness because you are not um in tune enough with yourself to recognize that it's also a part, it's a forgiveness of yourself. And most people, the reason why they are in pain is because they're blaming everybody else for their life journey. That happened to me. I was put in care. That person sent me away. That person was unkind to me. That boyfriend finished with me. All of those things that we blame other people for, you know, oh, he left me. Or, or There's so many things that people on a daily basis are begrudging or hating on other people for. So you can imagine, you can't do that, um, that session, uh, uh, session one. You have to find out who you are and what you value first before you can even do forgiveness. Because, you know, forgiveness is a workshop that I do, I do the forgiveness workshop and I do it in three levels. I it's about forgiveness of others, um, forgiveness of self, and forgiveness of the future. Because, you know, all of those things that you need to forgive yourself for, this, this, you don't realise how many there are, how much blame you are putting on other people for your lack of happiness. It's just too much. And so you have to do it as part of the process. And when people do it, they're just like, 
they actually visibly feel lighter in themselves as a person. And it just opens the doorway for so many opportunities. And what you'll find when you do that forgiveness is you'll find within a short time of you forgiving all those people that you might get a phone call or you might get um, a text from somebody who you've forgiven because they feel that energy. It is energy and that releasing of energy. If you, when you release them yourself, you, you, re you release them too. So you allow them to come back to you. And many people have said to me, oh gosh, and I, was, I forgave that person. Guess what? I haven't spoken to them for four years and they sent me a text. That's unusual, isn't it? Well, no, not at all. Because you've allowed for that to happen because you've taken up your barrier and let that go. So you've allowed them to step back in. They might have been wanting to step back in for a long time, but didn't know how. But you've given them the permission to be able to do that. So yeah, forgiveness is uh, it's another one. It's transformational. All of these, um, all of these sessions, they're, they're just transformational by themselves, but they're um, a layering journey, as you said, with the auric uh, fields that you can see those layers are all attributed to something aren't they and as yeah. you lose those negative layers then your aura becomes clearer and cleaner and i don't know possibly becomes one color because you've let so much go do you know what i mean I don't know. yeah i mean i'm no expert in the auric fields i have to say but from things i've read and from people i've met and you know as you know we meet so many amazing people along this journey of life but one thing that i have found through life is that for myself um i have to speak is that um if i'm upset with somebody usually i'm more upset with myself because i think well you shouldn't really have allowed that to happen and the point is anyone can do anything but it's actually up to us how we respond to that and that's one of the biggest things I think for us to face is that we actually have a responsibility for ourselves. Forget everybody else, but are we responsible enough for our own life, our own heart and soul? Are we actually giving everything to ourselves that we need upon this journey? Because if we're too busy hating and disliking and being angry, there's no time for us to give our own energy a chance to grow. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. I, I almost feel like you are reading the session headings of my programme because that's another one. Taking Who is it? sessions and and because you're absolutely right, they are the universal, aren't they? These mm. steps that we take. Um, uh, to, 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 to find the love within are, are all the same steps. And I, and I think that's why a lot of people say to me, oh, but Anne-Marie, you don't have a niche. And I say, my niche is love, my niche is people, because there are 7 billion people in the world, but there are only a, a finite number of emotions. David R. Hawkins has a book called Power Versus Force. And in that, you can see the emotional scales of each of the emotions that each and every one of us experiences throughout our lifetime, but there is only so many. So when you talk about a niche, people are the niche. They, they are all different, but they all experience the same emotion. As in it's, and it's about um, identifying what those emotions are and, and applying the right methodology to allow those people to, 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 to break through the limiting belief they have around those emotions. But yeah, responsibility is a huge one is a huge one. I've noticed that 
I work with lots of women and the way that they come to me is through their children. They're not prepared to take responsibility for themselves, but they are prepared, obviously, to take responsibility for their children. Mm. I think they come and they, I think it's almost like an, um, uh, an, a guiding intuition. They come to me, they bring their children, they see the amazing things that I do with their children and they say, oh, do you know what? I'd love to work with you. And I know they're going to say it because children are only a product of their environment. You know, and, and, and children have very limited environments, school, friends, home, pretty much, maybe a few clubs and whatever, but they spend the majority of their time with their parents. So if you're bringing a child to me that's got a fear, a phobia, anxiety, or, uh, or anything like that, it's, it, 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 it's always going to reflect back to the way that they've seen a caregiver respond in a similar situation. Uh, and that's hard to hear. For a lot of parents, that is hard to hear. But the really brave ones will say, yeah, they'll come to me first. And I love that. I really, really love that. Because what is the point in healing the child to send them back into the same environment where they created that fear in the first place? It's not going to make any difference. Or it will, it will for a while. Or it will cause animosity between child and parent. Because this child has this newfound sense of confidence. And the parent is still in that lack space or, or scared or fearful place and don't do that Johnny don't do that and this child's now got this new exuberance now I want to experience it all but the parent is still holding them back unless the parent does the work as well yes because otherwise it's like putting a flower a rose amongst weeds yeah and you know nurturing that flower and then putting it back amongst the weeds again it it can't survive Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. Now, I know that you especially, you know, have so many reasons that you could be angry about, you know, from your childhood. But how did you really get over that, forgive and come to live this life, Anne-Marie, that is serving others? Lovely, lovely question. You know what? It's, it's, it's so amazing. I actually have a really lovely friend called Jano, right? And mm -hmm. he's a six foot three man, big and muscly. And I know to a lot of people, he's probably very intimidating. I, what I've noticed about myself is I'm attracting these people that give me lessons to learn. And so when I met him, I've not only known him that long, but when I met him, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because I grew up um, around a lot of women, not really, I, d I didn't have any strong male role models. So I was very scared of men for a long time, um, scared of love for a long time. So, you know, I sent this guy a text, I sent Jano a text this morning and I said to him, I just want to say thank you for being in my life, Jano. You know, you have come to me as a blessing. And sometimes, please forgive me if I'm offending you, but some, you know, you can, I can imagine to some feel quite intimidated, but every time I think about the fear that you instill in me, I just give it love. I just give it love. Now, that was quite a brave thing to send to a six foot three man who you've only kind of met three times. I know that's brave. And he could have said, what are you talking about, you weirdo? He could have said anything, couldn't he? Because that's quite a profound thing True. to say to somebody, isn't it? You know? Yes, yes. I wanted to tell you that um, I'm just constantly loving you to get over my own fears. Oh, I feel emotional about that because, ah. Oh. And, oh. you know, he sent me oh. text back and he said, Thank you for such a beautiful message. And what I realised in that moment is when I'm able to be brave and love, I allow others to be brave and love. 
because I know that he has had a very um, turbulent past, this man. And mm -hmm. I know the reasons why he comes across as being quite intimidating. But just with that disarming message of love, that's how I have overcome everything in my life. I don't know why or how this huge love is inside of me. I don't know where it comes from. It was never given to me. I, was, I wasn't told. I, I, I didn't hear the words, I love you, until I was 24. And I heard them from my son. So I never heard the words, I love you. So it was really difficult for me to know how to love. I didn't know how to learn to love. And, and then somehow when I forgave myself and I started doing all the work, this huge love inside of me just expanded and it deflects everything. It deflects criticism. It deflects nastiness. It deflects everything. It's so big inside me that it's almost like I've got this Teflon aura around me that is made up of love. And I just don't have fear of anything anymore i don't have fear of rejection i don't have fear of criticism all the normal things that hold people back that limit people's lives that stop them from being brave and courageous and having a magnificently experiential life all the things that stop i don't have those fears anymore Be because i taught myself i taught my brain how to respond in in a positive way to everything i taught my brain how to respond to adversity and see it as a, a challenge or an opportunity to grow yeah, it's taken time, it has, but it really has been about retraining my brain and retraining my heart to stay open in, in, in spite of every uh, adversity that I might face. So when I feel that fear, and the, the brilliant book by Michael Singer, be called um, The Untethered Soul. And he talks about how you can learn to just keep your heart open. So when those fearful things happen or someone says something in a way that I could misconstrue as being negative, I just open my heart even more and I do it visibly. And I just go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, that's an opinion. And or, or I'll go back to them and ask them, where did that come from? I've challenged quite a few people on social media that have, have said, you? Like, oh yes, oh yes. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, obviously I've got this program, Self-Confidence for Life Success, and I've been doing it really successfully, but I've been putting it out on social media. Mm -hmm. I sent it to a lot of groups. And is it a new I, program? Is it like, uh, so you've had, is it two already that you've had? I've, I've, done, I've done them twice, but obviously every time I've done them, again, I've sent out feedback questionnaires. How many okay. people do that business? I sent them back and I asked them questions like, you know, was it worth the money? Um, what, what was your light bulb moments? How has it made, helped you to change your life? What have you taken forward? I ask all these questions. So every time I ask the questions, then I feed that back into the newer program. So this one mm. is fantastic. And I feel so confident about it. So I'm ready to share it. And I shared on all these social media platforms. And one guy, his name is Richard, came back and he said, he wrote on it, on mm. this, um, uh, I, I, I would lose all my confidence investing my money in this silly program. And I read How that. Rude. Yeah. And I read it and I felt that emotion. And then I went, oh, this man's in pain. Stop looking at me. I start looking at him. This man's in pain. So yes. I wrote this message on his on the page and I said, Oh, I'm so glad that you connected with me. It's really nice that you even bothered to take the time to read the um, post that I put. Listen, it would really serve me greatly if you would even just come onto the program. And if it doesn't change your life in some small way, I am more than prepared to refund you your, your, your money back. Right? That's what I told him. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and waited for his response. Then I went onto my private page and I, I put his post up and I said, look, I've just received this. This is how I've responded. What would you do in this situation? And I had all these coaches, right? All these coaches and therapists come back and say, oh, how rude. I would have dismissed him. I wouldn't have given him the time of the day. Blah, 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 blah. Right? And it made me think again. So I opened my heart with love and I went back to him, to his private page, and I messaged him and said, look, I know what you wrote on the public page, but I do really want to open my heart to you and give you this opportunity to interrupt your own programme. Why don't you just come along? It's, you've got nothing to lose. And if it really is that rubbish, then you can tell me what I can do better. And I'd really appreciate that. Mm. Wait for his response. No response. In the meantime, I've gone back to my page to see the responses from all the therapists. And, and I wrote to them and I said, I could have done that. I could have just turned this man away. But I know hurt people hurt people. And I know happy people make people happy. And all I want to do is make this guy happy. So to have ignored him would have, would have totally been in opposition to me saying I'm self-confident, right? Mm, mm, a self-confident mm. person doesn't ignore criticism. They embrace it and they turn it into something really good. And, and, and so that was a message inside a message because all these therapists were like, wow, didn't think about that. You're absolutely right. So I was able to transform their way of thinking in terms of the criticism response. And then I went back to him three days later. He said, no, thanks. I'd rather keep my money in my pocket. That's all he wrote. And I said, I respect your view. But I know that that gentleman will not easily or as quickly go and rubbish somebody else the next time. I think he was very sorry that I was the person that he was rubbishing because I yeah. didn't let him off the hook. I didn't let him off the hook from his heart. I tried to let his heart say, respond to me. But it, honestly, sadly, he just didn't have it in him to be able to respond in that way. He couldn't become humble. He couldn't get over his ego to say, actually, I really embrace that. Thank you so much. Which is to his detriment. I feel sad for him. There's no room for me to take on that criticism when all I can think of is... I really want that man to be able to break his own pattern. Do you see what I mean? Do you see when yeah. you're outward facing that it actually, it, it totally overrides any negative feeling that you feel when you're just thinking with love. It takes all that away. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I think it's wonderful, um, Anne-Marie, and I think it's what's wonderful is that that negativity that he gave to you, for whatever reason, um, you dissolved it with love. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the power. Yeah. And to the other practitioners as well, because, you know, it happened in a way that allowed them to see something different as well. And I know for all of those practitioners that responded, and I suppose there was a, a little bit for them, oh, that's not very nice to say that to Amory. Amory's a really nice person. There may, may have been that. But equally, I think that that was their own heart saying, feeling the um, criticism and they responded with what they would have felt. Do you know what I mean? Mm, but hopefully mm. I um, gave them another, another new eyes, as you said right at the beginning, I gave them new eyes to look through and that could be transformational, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like when you see something differently, it really is based upon ourselves of how we see ourselves. Because if you look in the mirror and you say, well, who is this person? And it's me. Well, who is actually me? I think we are the only ones who really know the answer to that. But we yes. look to others to give us, as you said earlier, to give us that confirmation that we are okay, that we are beautiful, that we are clever enough. And if we're constantly relying on the outside sources, which are fickle, um, I think we will be continually disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think during this current time of 
this population of everything being upside down, of nothing being predictable anymore right now. I think people are in a lot of fear and their self-confidence is, you know, because they're not able to do the things the way that they used to do. They're not, their relationships, everything's changed. And the thing is, there are people out there that are holding on to this belief that it's all going to go back to normal. But spoiler alert, it's never going to go back to normal. So you have to, you, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, you've got to emerge as a new person for new times. And that requires confidence. And if you didn't have it in the first place, uh, you were a shy person, an introvert, or, 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 or just haven't done the work for yourself, you're going to be really feeling that now. So now is the time more than ever to create the person that you want to be going forward and create the reality that you want going forward. And that means that you're going to have to adjust and adapt and, you know, change. You're going to have to change to go along with the changes that are coming. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. And that's not going to be a good place to be. No, that's a scary place to be. And I read something yesterday um, and it was by a poet and I can't remember who it was by and they were having a conversation with God and they said look I'm in pieces now you've brought me to pieces I don't understand this and God replied it's not that I've brought you into pieces you are actually breaking through you know like the caterpillar turning into the butterfly which I know I've read somewhere that you have um, used a quote similar And I think in these times, unless we break this mold that has been placed around us, I don't think we can survive as humanity. That's why I feel my work is so important. It's so much bigger than me. You know, I've been, you know, and, and this and this is going to sound quite bizarre, but I feel I've been fortunate that I have experienced so much adversity in my life because right now I'm in my prime. I'm so happy, so joyful, so blissful and so content because I've done the work. And this change right now is just this is what I've always known. Oh, we're changing again. Oh, that's okay. But for some people who have had very settled, um, predictable, not in a negative way, but predictable lives, you know, brought up with mum and dad, blah, 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 2.4, whatever it is, but yeah. they've had some sort of, um, you know, comfort in, in, in knowing what's going to be going on. It's more difficult for them. In fact, the people that have had more settled and, and comfortable lives are probably the ones that are struggling the most right now because they haven't had the opportunity to deal with adversity in the way that we are being forced to deal with adversity right now. So those that I suppose are are the people that I'm really talking to because this is all alien. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how much money you've got right now, you're still going through the same experience as somebody who's got no money. You know, this is not, it's not pinpointing certain people. This is global. This is every single human being on this planet is experiencing this change right now. That's huge. And as you've said, if people don't move through the time and if they don't start thinking about how they are going to show up for the new paradigm that we have, the global paradigm that we have, it's going to be a a scary place for a lot of people. So now is the time. If you've never, ever thought about it before, if you've been drifting along quite happily because life has been drifting along and it's all been quite easy for you and you're struggling now, it's okay. You're, You're not the only one. You're not on your own. But there are people and probably the people that have, you know, 
overcome their adversities that do this kind of work are in a position to be able to help you now. Whereas before, you know, life coaching was a bit woo-woo. All of that stuff was a bit woo-woo. But now we are really coming into our own because that's what we've been prepared for. Little did we know as we were growing up in adversity that we were being prepared for this time to support and empower and help others and be a guide for them to find their own new normal, to, to, to be comfortable with the changes and to be forward thinking rather than reacting to the changes, but actually creating the life that they want in the future and not waiting for it to happen to them. This is the time. The time is now. The time is now. And I think I was thinking actually to this morning about it, Anne-Marie, and I thought to myself, is it that we're not getting the message? I mean, let's put governments aside. Let's put conspiracy to the side and let's look at humanity as a whole. It wasn't really hurtling in the right direction in any case before all of this happened. And I'm wondering, and these are just my views on this, but is it getting tougher because we're not learning the lesson? Is this an outward reflection of what's going on inside of us? And I'm talking on a spiritual level now. Is it that we need to go through this in a way that will transform us to a new world? And I'm not talking about the world of technology. I'm talking of a world that we could never even have imagined of that is more beautiful and in a way a paradise on earth because we have let go of all the things that we were reliant upon, whether that be technology, money, whatever it is. And we begin in a new type of realm. I love that. I love that vision. I was closing my eyes there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I absolutely agree with everything you say. And I love that, that you brought that to light, that the, the, um, the, the turmoil outside, the, the external turmoil is most definitely a reflection from within. And whatever you believe, however you transcend this situation, um, it's each and every person's journey. There is not going to be a global, I just think about um, Jill Scott Heron, their re revolution will not be televised. It just reminds me of that all the time. But <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a personal journey. And to be fair, you are right. The reason why we're in this situation is because we didn't we didn't take the heeds, we didn't take the warnings, and we certainly didn't go within, and um, and that's why the, our external was reflected so negatively. But but it's okay, it's okay because we're here now, we're here now, and the past is the past, but we have a bright future ahead of us. It, you know, we we do have a bright future, each and every one of us. But we have to remember, if they're, they're individual journeys, no one's going to save you. You mm. are your savior. You are your miracle. Yes. You are your future. Don't wait for anybody else to bring these things to you because it's not coming. You, it's your journey. Start now. Beautiful words, I have to say to you. I'm really, it's the truth. There is no one that's going to save you, but only one's own heart and soul and connected really to a higher divine that is the power within us. It's reaching that power point within us and pressing that button yeah, and yeah. then we can make the change. Yeah. Yeah. Faith. Faith. Yes. Love. 
Mm. You don't even need hope because it will happen. But it's faith that you, mm. faith in yourself and mm. the deep love that you develop for yourself will inspire your journey. When you start doing that inner work um, of finding out who you are, what you really think and what you really feel, because it's really difficult, isn't it? Because there's so much around us. I mean, yeah. I was saying to my son, it's so, I feel so lucky that I was born in the generation that I was born in because we had peaceful moments. I could go and sit under a tree in the park. I didn't have a phone. And, and I, could, or I could be on, I was on my own a lot. I had lots of thinking time when I was younger. How much space actual space and time and free space that people have now because even when they're on their own they're not on their own they've got their phone people go into a waiting room and have to wait for something and they're on their phone you know whereas before you'd have a conversation with somebody because there was nothing else to do people just mm. won't bother to go on their phone we were becoming isolated and divided before this all happened and we are even more so now so yes connection is key connection is absolutely key but connection with yourself you know start there before you get on your phone in the mornings and check your whatever, your WhatsApp or whatever, check in with yourself. How am I doing? How am I feeling? What am I concerned with? What do I need to think about? What do I need time alone with myself to think? You know, these are... Yes. And somebody said to me, but I find meditation really hard. Here's a quick um, exercise that you can do, which I hope will make it easier for you because everybody should be meditating every day and take away the word meditation and just call it time with yourself because sometimes that can put people off just the words that we use can make people have a an, a, an inside reaction or mm -hmm. not for me so when you have some time for yourself and you want to free your mind from everything the way that i first learned to do it especially me i have adhd so i'm super fast but the way that i learned to do it was closing my eyes and just imagine everything that is white. Imagine the clouds, paper, wedding dresses, blank pages. And I would just keep doing that until my mind became a blank of white. And in that space, just five minutes at a time, 10 minutes and expand it and expand it. But just that clear space, especially 15 minutes before your bedtime, to have that clear space. And then ask yourself one question that you want the answer to. It could be as simple as, how do I want to feel tomorrow? And then you can start imagining all the things that you want to feel tomorrow. And that's what you're going to go to bed with. And guess what? Those are the thoughts that you will wake up with. Because when you go to bed with all those troublesome thoughts in your mind, you're on a loop. You're on a loop of negativity. You go to bed with those thoughts, they're exactly the same ones you wake up with and you start that loop again. So clear your mind, use that exercise, and then just think the thoughts what would my life look like if I was totally in bliss? Go to sleep with those kind of thoughts and you will start empowering yourself and reconnect, reconnecting with who you really are. That's excellent advice. Thank you, Anne-Marie, because it gives you, even if it's five minutes or 10 minutes, but it gives you that space for you to be free in that space, away from everyone and everything. Yeah beautiful thank you so much sadly I mean I could talk to you forever really it's so many things I would love to ask you and because I know you also before we go you do a well-being radio don't you I do well-being radio uh, at 7.30 on Thursdays. At the moment, they're switching over to a new platform. So they are still, they still have lots of, all the episodes on demand. Uh, they're on demand on the iCloud. So if you go to well-being radio, 
www.wellbeingradio.co.uk, you'll see me there. Or you can just go to the website, wellbeingradio.co.uk, and um, I'm a presenter. You'll see me all the way down. I'm the one with the blue polka dot dress on. Okay, <laughs> lovely. So that's all where people can find you as well and listen back, to your the back, thing. Uh, sessions are there, yeah. Excellent. And if people want to contact you, Anne-Marie, where can they um, do that? They can contact me at essex-hypnotherapist.com. That's in the middle of a makeover as well. So it's a bit wordy at the moment, but you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook, Anne-Marie Wickham, um, or Facebook Essex Life Changer. That's my hypnotherapy page. Um, okay, and <laughs> are you happy for people to contact you? Uh, yeah, you can contact me there. On the, my website, it has a contact um, uh, page on there. Um, and it has all of my programs on there. Um, do you know what? I, I think it's even got my phone number there. If you go to Essex Life Changer, you mm-hmm. can get me on Messenger. You can connect with me by Messenger. Just leave a personal message for me. Yeah, those places. But Anne-Marie Wickham, I'm happy for you to come through to my personal profile because... You know, I'm the same person wherever I am. I don't have secrets. So you can contact me there as well. I know people are Excellent. pressured about keeping And your book, tell us about your book quickly. Where can people find that? On Amazon. On Amazon, um, From Fear to Love, uh, Anne-Marie Wickham. Yeah, you'll find it there. Uh, there's, yeah. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And I always ask my guests this at the end of the show. Um, Anne-Marie, a little bit of advice in a paragraph about hope and love that has helped you in your life to survive that hopefully can help the listeners um love for yourself is the biggest journey you will ever take and the biggest priority in your life and that's one thing i always teach my clients after every session who's the most important person important person in your world and they say me and it starts off being very uncomfortable and mostly they'll say my children my husband, my wife, but I teach them that they can't be that important to you unless you are important to you because without you, without you, there is no them. So that's the most important message I can give you is start your journey of self-love, get to know who you are, spend time, energy, effort, and patience with yourself and, and, and just you know, reconnect with yourself, become your own best friend, become your own hero um, and keep your heart open. Just keep your heart open. It will take practice, first of all, when you get those criticisms, but just to open and how can I, there's the question that you ask, how can I deal with this situation with love? What love can I put into this situation? How can I approach this situation with a loving heart? Love is key. Love is everything. Love is everything. And that's the biggest piece of advice I can give you. Tune in to yourself and your own self-love and your life will change in a way that you can't even imagine now. But you have to start. Start with you. Wow. Beautiful. Love is everything. I love that. That could be a new book. Yes. Love is everything. I'm sure there's millions of titles because it's not a people know it now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for coming today. It's been a real, real pleasure, really. I'm humbled, Mimi. Honestly, I'm, I'm, 
lovely time. It's been a pleasure having a conversation with you and feeling your like heart because, you know, when you when you do a really reconnected your heart, you can feel other people's connected hearts as well. And it's beautiful. So, you know, that co-creativity, that wonderful time that we spend together, it's just a blessing. Thank you so much. Uh, you're very welcome. And come again and let us know how your course um, goes, the new course that you're running. And um, tell us more about your jewels of wisdom that you have. I would love to have you back on again. Thank you. I will appreciate that invitation and I definitely will come back. Thank you so much. Oh, all right, then we'll take care and have a lovely day. What's left of it? Yeah, it's my daughter's birthday today, so I'm off to make a cake. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, enjoy Sweet the 16. day. Yeah, thank you. Oh, wow. Sweet 16. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy and look after yourself. Stay blessed. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye, bye, bye. Anne-Marie Wickham, what an extraordinary lady with an absolutely extraordinary story. And it just goes to show it doesn't matter what our life circumstance. We still have the power to dream and to make something of our life that brings us peace and success. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music, and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovik.co.uk.